Thank you. Welcome, everybody, to Church in the Valley. We're glad you're here with us this morning. Um, I want to let you guys know about just some of the announcements come up in church life and some things going on this morning as well, just as we get started here. Uh, first of all, if you have a program um, during the course of this morning, you know, bef before we uh, have our message, if you guys want to fill out one of those connection cards that's inside, that'd be really helpful for us. Uh, some of the things I'm going to be talking about, some things you can be signing up for, as well as if you have prayer requests or if there's things that you want to um, get information about. That's the, that's the way to do it. Let's do the connection card. And if you're a guest with us, we're really uh, glad you came this morning. And so, you know, on that connection card, if you wouldn't mind, let us know how you heard about Church in the Valley and anything else in that card that you uh, feel comfortable sharing or would like to let us know about, we'd, um, we'd love to know, especially if you're a first or second time guest or out of town guest, just marking that would be helpful for us. Um, also, if you're a guest with us, over on the resource table to my uh, left, there are some books, and there's a book called How Good is Good Enough by Andy Stanley, and that's a really helpful short book that um, if you've ever had that question or you have family or friends that have wondered that same question, how good do you have to be to be good enough, uh, that's a really helpful resource. I'd encourage you to get that, and it's free. You can take that and one for you or one of your family friends. Um, and then at the end of the service, there are some different bu buckets around here. Uh, they look like you would have fried chicken in them, except don't put anything, you know, food or disposable in them. But you can put your uh, recyclables in there, as well as your pens and your connection cards and any part of your program you take. Now, if you take really good notes, don't put your notes in the bucket. That's for you. Because, see, I, I, I take my own notes, so I don't need your notes. Um, so that would be helpful. Um, and then, let's see, some of the other announcements coming up in church this morning. Also, there is a bucket on that table over there. If you have... Uh, if you don't do your giving online or you want to give uh, in person, that is a place that you can do that as well. So you can put that on the table over there to my left. Um, baptism we have is going to be next Sunday. We've been announcing that. It's going to be next Sunday, November 14th at 11.15 here in the courtyard. And to make sure they really mean it, we're going to put a lot of ice in there. Um, you know, since it's going to be, no, uh, no, we'll make sure the water's warm. So don't worry about that. Um, and if you're not getting baptized, you shouldn't have to worry about that anyway. Uh, but everyone else, you know, is invited. This is a great time to be able to celebrate uh, with people who have um, decided to follow Jesus and are now, you know, going public with the opportunity to be able to get baptized with that. So, um, and then Operation Christmas Child, we've been talking about that as well. And if for those of you that uh, haven't heard the other announcements or don't know what that is, it's a great opportunity where we get to partner with, uh, you know, Samaritan's Purse. And they... We fill these shoe boxes, and there's a sample of over at the guest resource table you can look at as well, um, of all sorts of toys and toiletries and <clears throat> school supplies and just fun stuff like that uh, for kids. And they have various age ranges, and they give you suggestions on, like, what you could get for various kids at different age ranges, boys or girls. And then we send them, they send them all over the world, and these kids get to have an opportunity to be able to 
you know, not only get maybe their only Christmas gift they're going to get all year if they get anything, but they also get to hear the gospel in their language and they get to hear the story about Jesus and how he is the ultimate gift. And it's a, it's a really fun opportunity to be able to do that. And so um, this year we're going to have, it's not here yet because, you know, everything shipping wise apparently is delayed, but in the world, but uh, we're hopefully going to get in a hundred um, shoe boxes that you can put your stuff in. But I would encourage you, you know, the shoe box collection is going to be on the 21st. And so should those shoe boxes for some reason not arrive, um, you could always just go buy a, a plastic little shoebox tote, you know, at Target or some other store or find a shoebox around your house and uh, fill it. It's the same thing. You can decorate it, do all that jazz. It's a lot of fun. Um, but if those arrive, you're welcome to grab those shoeboxes and fill them. And then we're going to try to collect everything on the 21st to send them out because they need lots of lead time to get these to all over the world and various cities and countries. So um, that's going to be on the 21st. And then Lord's Supper, last but not least, uh, we're going to be celebrating that on the 21st of November as well from 3 to 4.30 here in the courtyard. And uh, child care will be provided for that if you're wondering that for kids and stuff. And the Lord's Supper, for those of you that aren't familiar with that, I mean, some people call it Lord's Supper, some people call it communion, a lot of churches call it different things. But the point of it is it's an opportunity where we get to come together for those who have decided to really follow Jesus and make him the Lord of their life. We get an opportunity to be able to not only remember and celebrate what Jesus did, but an opportunity to be also be able to uh, look forward to, you know, the coming of when he comes back and when we get to eat with him again and, and enjoy the time together. And it's an opportunity also just to have some unhurried time to be able to, you know, consider how things are going in our walk with God and with one another and be able to clear things up if we haven't already been able to do that. And um, so I'd encourage you, if you're, if you're planning on coming to that, go ahead and RSVP on your connection card so we're able to kind of prepare for how many people are coming. Uh, I think there's a QR code on your program as well. That's another way you can RSVP if you don't mark it on your connection card. Um, and that's going to be on the 21st from 3 to 4.30 here. So uh, those are kind of the gist of what's going on here in the next couple of weeks. Let me pray for us, and then we'll continue back with our worship. So, Father, thank you. Um, Thank you for the opportunity to be able to um, have, you know, access to be able to do things like bless kids around the world and um, and really help them. And I, I really do pray that as we move into, you know, the month of the rest of November and December, that uh, while the rest of the world very oftentimes is thinking a very consumerist mindset, that we would really have a heart to be generous and to really heart to be a blessing to other people. Thank you that you really take care of us. And that you really bless us. And I really do pray you would meet uh, each of the men and women here where they're at this morning and being able to um, learn from you and hear from you and comfort them, encourage them, help them wherever they're at. And I pray you would really be honored through the words uh, that we sing and the meditation of our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing that. 
let's welcome John Taylor up for the message. And I forgot to mention it earlier, but if you go to civlhambro.com slash Sunday, you can find the message notes, which might be helpful, whether you're in person and want to just copy them over or online. Thanks. Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Full of joy? Full of Jesus? Well, I've got an exciting passage to look at today. We're going to look at Psalm 103. One of, one of my 150 favorite psalms. But this, as you are probably aware, if you've been coming for a while, we're, we're doing a series uh, that's based on trusting the character of God, trusting the character of God. And this comes, this is, origin is in Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7. And that's where the Lord speaks to Moses on Mount Sinai and it just shows him his character, who he is, what he's like. Uh, and uh, each of the passages we're looking at in these series, in this series, uh, ha actually quote or allude to this passage. And it's a, it's a rather wonderful way that the Old Testament has this unity of uh, they keep going back to what God has already shown them. And, uh, and depending on that in various times of prayer or crisis or in various places of need. And it's such a great example for us. So that, that's what the series is about. And this is a psalm where really, uh, if you can't get excited over Psalm 103, you know, you need an emotional transplant. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of those psalms that uh, is just really powerful. But we always want to read in context. And in context, when you read a Bible passage, means you go to find out what was said just before it and see how this reads as you come into it from what's written before. And of course, the context of Psalm 103 is Psalm 102. And if you don't know, by the way, if you've got your Bible with you and you don't know where the Psalms are, just open your Bible halfway along, you open it up, you'll see you're in the middle of the book of Psalms. Uh, now, Psalm 102 is a lament psalm. A lament psalms are those psalms where the writer of the psalm just tells God how horrible things are, how, how much pain they're in, how much trouble they're in, how, how difficult life is, and they pour out their problems to the Lord and then put their trust in him. And that's what, that's what Psalm 102 is. It's the lament of an afflicted person. But this person is afflicted because he's been disciplined by the Lord. He's, been, he's, he's got in trouble with God and, and done something, and we don't know what he's done, but he's got in trouble, and he's been disciplined by the Lord. He's afflicted. And he's, he's saying to the Lord in verse 2, Don't hide your face from me in the day of my distress. And this personal lament is, is oriented not only to what, is, what my troubles I'm in, but it's also oriented to the big picture. That is what God has done for Israel. He starts, starts the Psalm 102 by saying, I'm, I'm in real trouble. My life's so hard. 
uh, you know, God, you've been disciplining me. I, 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 what am I going to do? Help me, you know. And, and he turns from his personal anguish to, to remember what God has done for Israel. He says he has set them free. He's set them free from slavery to praise him. He turns from his personal anguish to say in verse 12 of Psalm 102, but you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. Doesn't matter whatever happens to me, God's still on the throne is what he's saying. And that praise that, he, that he's giving to God in the midst of his trouble is recorded and written down. Verse 18 of Psalm 102 says, let this be recorded for a generation to come. By the way, praise the Lord that people wrote down their poetry and their songs back in the days of David and, and so on, because otherwise we wouldn't have the book of Psalms. And, uh, and so it says in verse 18, let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created, that would be us, may praise the Lord. It was the, the author of this psalm knew exactly that this would be sung in future generations. The people even yet to be created. Uh, we're going to praise the Lord. In verse 23 of Psalm 102, he turns back to lament and asks the Lord to heal him. That is to grant him life because God is eternal. That's the story of Psalm 102. Psalm 103 picks up the story. He has been healed. <laughs> he has been forgiven. His afflictions are over. And at the end of Psalm 103, he calls all of creation to praise the Lord for this deliverance for David. And, and it, it teaches us how to stay in a life of praise, whether we're in, whether we're living Psalm 102 saying, oh, life is really tough, but I'm still going to praise you, Lord. And in fact, I'm going to remember that you're still on the throne and, and uh, you've done, you've, you've, you've done great things for Israel. You've done, you've, look who you are, the great things you've done in the whole world. Even despite what's happening to me, I'm going to keep praising you. And I'm asking you for help, Lord, and heal me and restore me and let me learn my lesson. And when we get to Psalm 103, we can praise God with that too, where he has been healed, has been delivered, he has been set free. And he can then call all of creation to praise God for what, is, what God has done just for him. It's worthy of the whole world praising God, really. Listen to this. It's worthy that the whole creation should praise God for what he's just done for you, because it's incredible what he's done for you. So that's the story and the context. And a title for today is Unearned Benefits, right? Because this is a psalm about the unearned benefits we receive from the Lord. You know, the best way to remember something is to teach it. You know that? The best way to remember something is to have to teach it to others. This is why I like teaching Greek uh, in my... When I teach at seminary, I teach, you know, the, I'm teaching this semester, a first year Old New Testament Greek class. Just, you know, what's a, and I have to teach them English grammar along with Greek grammar because I don't know that either. So I have to teach them, uh, you know, uh, what's a verb and, you know, adverb and things like that. And, uh, and the good thing about teaching this beginning in Greek is that I get to remind myself and helps me remember it when I come to reading my Greek New Testament. So... David is remembering what God has done for him. And the way he's doing that is by teaching 
us in this psalm. He's teaching us, and it's one of the themes in Psalm 103 is memory. It's going to talk about things that you should remember, things that you shouldn't neglect. It's an important issue. You know, it's about praising the Lord, and we're going to get to the psalm in just a moment, don't worry. It's rather interesting the things that David chooses here to praise the Lord with. One of the things as a, as a father I love getting from my kids, you know, was birthday cards, Christmas cards, Father's Day cards. And when in our family, when we write cards to each other, we try to just say something nice or something, you know, just uh, something to appreciate in that person. It's not just happy birthday. It's usually happy birthday. And here's one of the one of the many reasons that I love you, you know, and, and uh, so talk about their character, uh, things that we appreciate about the other person. Of course, when they're little, uh, they're not always, you know, Father, thank you for your faithfulness and you know, something like that. It's, uh, Dad, I love it when you chase me and tickle me. You know, that's a Father's Day car that I've got. And, uh, you know, it, it comes from their brain. Uh, one of the exercises sometimes we've done in, in uh, Christian small group meetings is to we put someone in the middle and we tell them everything we like about that person. We tell them, here's, here's, here's what we see in you. And uh, it's very encouraging. Sounds a bit scary. But believe me, it's much better than putting you in the middle and telling them what we don't like about them. <laughs> don't try that. But uh, as we have, uh, sometimes we get this and people say, I really Enjoy this aspect of your character, this way, the way that you treat others, the way you serve, and so on. There's always someone in the group who just doesn't think deeply enough about other people. And so, you know, that people are giving this real, tremendous, rich encouragement to someone. And you get around to that person, they're going to say, you know, they're really struggling to think of something good. It's getting a bit embarrassing, you know. They, I like your accent. <laughs> this is a psalm that expresses powerfully and deeply and richly thanksgiving and praise for what God is and for what he has done. And let's start reading it. We'll just read the first five verses to begin with. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise the Lord. That's an incredible passage. And the first thing we want to note in verse 1 and 2, is that he says, he, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's speaking to his own soul. This is a, sometimes you need to give yourself a good talking to, right? And uh, you just need to tell yourself something important. Not always bad to, to talk to yourself. And here he's talking to himself, saying, soul, bless the Lord. You know, in, in uh, in Psalm 42, the psalmist says, Saul, why are you cast down? Hope in God. There's a number of places in the Psalms where we do this. 
We shall just wait for the air raid to pass. Telling his soul to praise the Lord. Now that's a that's a strange thing at one level, but we do need to give ourselves a talking to and remind ourselves to praise the Lord, to keep giving Him thanks, because it's easy to let it go, to forget, not to remember all His benefits, all the good things He's done. But listen, this tells you something about praise, about blessing the Lord, about worship. It tells you that it's an act of will. It's worship as an act of will, as a choice not a matter of feeling. This is the psalmist David telling himself to stir himself up to praise and worship the Lord and to properly give thanks. It's, and he says, all my inmost being, praise the Lord, right? Or bless the Lord. It's wholehearted choice to praise the Lord with everything you have. You know, when I was first converted, and I was converted while I was at university, and I met the Lord, and, and I discovered a Christian prayer meeting happening on campus, and uh, I, I didn't know what a prayer meeting was, even though I grew up in a church, and so we didn't have prayer meetings, so uh, I uh, found out that these were pretty good things, and so I went to this prayer meeting, and I got invited and I went along and they said, yeah, if you're going to, we meet together twice a week before classes early in the morning. We're going to spend time praising the Lord, praying and, and, and praying for the university and praying for each other and, and, and just worshiping. And that's really what we do. So I thought, well, that sounds brilliant. Let's go along. It turns out to be early in the morning. And when it was exam week, it would instead of been, when it was exam week, instead of twice a week, it was every, every morning because uh, we needed it even more. And so... But the first time I went, it was so weird. I can't tell you how weird it was for someone, even though I've grown up in church, never really, it was only the second time I ever been to a prayer meeting. And, and uh, body was just, they were so into it, right? They were just singing their hearts out. Their hands were raised. Their eyes were screwed shut. They were just involved and engaged. And I thought, these people are at a spiritual level way beyond me. You know, if I'm not really a morning person, and this was, you know, just to get up and make it in time for an early morning prayer meeting was, a, you know, something to be thankful for right there. That was something to bless God for, but to get involved at that level of emotion and physicality and intensity, I, I, that's, you know, that's, that's not my personality. I'm a, I'm a, more reserved kind of person. You may not believe it, but I am. And so, so uh, I discovered something about these people. They had just as many problems as I did. They were just as much not mourning people. They're students, right? They, they, they sort of, they, they just, they were living that life, but they managed to get up and they, when they met early in the morning, they really went for it in praise. Not because they felt good, because they chose to. Listen, worship is an act of choice. It's an it's act of will. Now, the Spirit will help you to worship the Lord. He'll strengthen you to do that. But listen, this is something not to be apathetic about. Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
all that is within me bless his holy name don't be don't have an attack of spiritual forgetfulness taking god's benefits for granted what benefits well there's a whole list of them here in verses one to five but first thing just remind us they're unearned benefits they're not something that you know you've kind of got something in the bank with god you haven't got credit with him for these benefits they he just gives them to you and the first one in verse three is forgiveness who forgives all or pardons all your iniquities all your sins this is incredible now this is going to be elaborated in verses 6 to 12 and so we won't spend a lot of time on this right now but this is the first and perhaps the greatest of these benefits the relationship with god restored guilt removed sin overcome this is an incredible benefit something we just got to keep thanking god for keep praising him for and never ever take for granted verse 3 the second part of verse 3 says who heals all your diseases now that's incredible what does that even mean i suppose it could mean all every kind of disease some people argue uh deuteronomy 7 15 which we read two weeks ago the lord will take away from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of egypt which you knew will he inflict on you but he will lay them on all who hate you so this was already in israel's law in deuteronomy again even further back into exodus 15 if you diligently listen to the voice of the lord your god this is exodus 15 26 and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes i'll put none of the diseases on you that i put on the egyptians for i am the lord your healer they said when god says something like that i am the lord your healer he's not just saying this is something i do from time to time this is something about who i am i am a healer he says it's it's intrinsic to god's own character and nature that he heals he restores he puts things back together and this is in the context of physical diseases right uh, you know jesus is a healer you know that jesus loves to heal in, in matthew 8 uh, sorry, Matthew, uh, yeah, uh, 8, there's a whole series of healings all in a row. Comes down from the mountain where he teaches the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 8, 1. And he comes down the mountain, great crowds, and a leper comes up to him and he kneels before him. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And by the way, there's the question, right? He knows Jesus can heal. The question is, does he want to? right and jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said i'm willing be clean and immediately his leprosy was cleansed and and then there's a he gets into the city of capernaum and there's a centurion a roman centurion the, one of the occupying the leader of the occupying forces he comes forward he says lord my servant is lying paralyzed at home is suffering terribly jesus said i will come and heal him centurion replied 
I'm not worthy even to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus thought this was absolutely remarkable faith. And, uh, he, and he goes on to say, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Jesus then goes, into, goes home. He goes to Peter's house in Capernaum, where Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. Jesus touched her hand. The fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That's, by the way, if she's not there to serve you know, Sunday lunch, it's nice when you heal her. You can, she can get up and, and make them dinner. Uh, I'm just joking here. That's not why Jesus healed her. He healed her because he loved her and he wanted to help her. But that's what happened. She began to serve him. And... If they, that's a whole series of incredible healings all in a row. And if that, you know, and look, Jesus can deal with stuff like this, you know. And, and, and that evening, the word got out about all this happening, right? Because that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. And he, he uh, well, demonized would be the, probably the, in the Greek here. He cast out the spirits with a word and he healed all who were sick. All who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. It's from Isaiah 53. This is Matthew stringing together a series of a collection of healings, including a healing of everybody who turned up at that evening and saying, this is prophesied by Isaiah. This is who Jesus is. This is what he's come to do. Not ever, it's not all he's come to do, but it's absolutely there. Just as God is a healer in Exodus 15, I am the Lord who heals you. That's his nature. Here, Jesus, this healing ministry of Jesus is emphasized in the book of Matthew. And it's, it's right there in Isaiah 53. And it's there in Jesus' own ministry. This is incredible. Jesus is a healer. That's something to praise God for, by the way. Something to bless God for. Something to delight in. Uh, you know, is everybody that I've prayed for healed? No. I've sometimes I've prayed for some people and they've died the next day. I prayed for one person with a, a emotional problems and the next day they had a nervous breakdown taken off by taken off by ambulance to hospital. Would you like me to pray for you right now? Uh, I won't say that it always has worked, but listen, I've seen so many times when the Lord has healed and uh, that I know not only from the scripture but from experience that Jesus is a healer that's one of his benefits praise the Lord you know I was just thinking the other day about about this and about uh, times when the Lord has healed people and you know, I was thinking about a person who I, we asked us for prayer and who had one leg was just an inch and a half shorter than the other. I had to build, wear a built-up shoe and everything like this. It was difficult for them. And we prayed for that person and God just stretched their leg out. And that was that. It took about five minutes. Nothing too hard for the Lord. He is a healer. Verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit. The pit here would be the idea of death, right? Because you people in, sometimes in those days are buried in a pit. So it delivers you from, from the danger of death. 
perhaps some scholars read this as kind of resurrection promise, uh, but at least as David is praying this, he's saying, yeah, I was in danger. The idea is basically I'm in danger of death. God redeemed my life from the pit. Praise the Lord. His deliverance from danger. How many, listen, I can, so many times I think through my life where I could have died and God protected me. And, you know, I know there's a time to die for everyone, right? Until Jesus comes back, we're never going to live forever, you know, physically until the Lord comes back. But so many times he saves us. And that's, a, by the way, that points us to even greater promise of resurrection life still to come. He crowns you with steadfast love and compassion. Or, uh, this, is, this is really dressing you up. He puts a crown on your head and it goes on to say, who satisfies you with good, with good. That's a kind of, in the Hebrew here, it's got to do with actually uh, your, your your fine, it's like fine clothing being put on. Uh, with you know, and so his kindness and steadfast love and compassion on your heads, his goodness on our bodies. This is God clothing you. It's a metaphor, but it's a picture of him acting in great kindness and steadfast love and commitment and mercy and compassion and faithfulness. Putting and and so they those things that God gives us or the the character that he acts towards us is like a, a fine clothing to us like a crown and a fine clothing that makes us that that that's that's that makes us look so much better than we really are <laughs> it's unearned and so he's going to develop this compassion more in verses 13 to 18 but in verse 5 you know uh not only does he satisfy you with good but it's, your youth is renewed like the eagle. And, you know, this picture of this, you can just imagine what, e what eagles, they, they do, they soar high in the sky. Uh, they, uh, this is the idea of God just doing you good throughout your life. It keeps renewing you. Praise the Lord. That's a lot of good to bless the Lord for, right? Now we move on to the next passage, verses 6 to 12. Discover he's now going to elaborate on forgiveness that he mentioned back there in verse 3. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Forgiveness for our sins. Verse 6 is a kind of transition. Grammatically here in the Hebrew, it could fit with verse 5 or verse 7. But it's about God, the Lord, doing righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. And this is good, right? Just if you are an oppressed person, listen, if you have been treated unjustly, where are you going to get justice from? Where are you going to get justice from? And this passage is very clear. It's the Lord himself 
who works righteousness and justice. You can't expect it from any human being, honestly. But you can absolutely expect it from the Lord himself. I think here the exodus is in view. You know, when he talks about justice for the oppressed, uh, this is, he's looking back to Exodus as God brings the oppressed slaves of Israel out of the land of Egypt and brings them into the promised land. And, uh, and, and I think we know this, that the Exodus is in view because the very next verse, verse 7, uh, goes back to the Exodus ex events in the book of Exodus. It goes into verse 7 and he, he says, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. Now, remember, we talked about this a couple of times already in this series, that in Exodus 33:13, Moses asked the Lord, if I, if I found grace or favor in your sight, Lord, show me your ways, please, that I may know you. He wants to know the Lord. He wants to know his ways, not just, wants to, you know, not just the, sort of the externalities. He really wants to understand why God does what he does, how God lives, how does he operate, what is his habits of his character what is his what is he really like show me your ways how might we follow that you know the, the idea would be show me your ways and i'm going to try and live in those ways i'm going to walk those ways lord the path that you're walking i want to walk on the way that you're living i want to live and and psalm 86 we looked at that last week where david says echoing i think that same passage in exodus 33 teach me your way O oh Lord, that I may walk in your truth, unite my heart to fear your name. So Moses wants to know the ways of God. And, and guess what? Psalm 103 verse 7 says, that prayer was answered. He made known his ways to Moses. That's a great prayer. Moses prayed it. David prayed it. Now David celebrates it. He did make known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. And in some ways, those two lines are in parallel right he made known his ways to Moses his acts to Israel that's two celebrations of how God revealing himself to Moses and to the nation of Israel in the exodus as he delivered them from oppression and, and enacted justice and mercy for them but notice also a little distinction Moses knew the acts of God Israel knew sorry Moses knew the ways of God Israel knew the acts of God both of those are great, but listen, it's, it's possible just to know the acts of God, but not to really understand the ways of God. It's possible to know the acts of God, but not to really understand his ways, his character, his thinking, his, what is he really up to, what is he doing, and why, and how does he... And, and so I think this should just press us personally to know more than simply what he does but why he does it to really understand teach me your ways lord something to praise god for so what ways are these in particular in this passage and i think it's the way of forgiveness that's what we see the this is really being described in verse 8 right the lord is compassionate and gracious or merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love that's psalm 103 verse 8 that is by the way a direct quote from psalm 34 verse 6 
the Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He's, this is our reference back to Exodus 34 in this passage. This is a fundamental statement of who God is. This is two or three of them in this passage of how he acts, how he lives, what are his ways. And this is in relation to forgiveness. And that's what verses 9 to 12 kind of elaborate on uh, as he develops God's forgiveness. He will not always chide. He won't keep his anger forever, right? He doesn't, so it's, God does judge, but it doesn't last. He does act in mercy. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins, nor repay to us according to our iniquities. We want justice and we want it now, unless it's, unless it's the justice that we are really due because of what we've done against the Lord and against other people. We don't want that justice right now, right? We want other people to be punished for their sins and crimes. We are quite happy with mercy, right? We're quite happy. So, but this is the goodness of God, is that in his, it's not just a God of justice, he's also a God of mercy. He doesn't repay, repay us according to our iniquities our sins. Praise the Lord. This is an unearned benefit. The word for forgive in verse 3 uh, is used here. He, talk, he talks of describing forgiveness, but that word for forgiveness we saw in verse 3 is, or pardon sometimes translated. The first time it's used in the Bible is Exodus 34, 9. He's drawing, he's, David is reading Exodus as he's writing this psalm. What's the, one of the benefits of forgiveness is, is, is this tremendous release from guilt, right? But is guilt, is the problem of guilt a psychological problem or is it a relational problem, right? Is it a psychological problem or is it a relational problem? Well, in some ways it's both, of course. But early 20th century psychology was teaching the world through people like Freud, that the problem with guilt is that it's a psychological problem. In other words, you need to be released from your guilt. You need to overcome your guilt because guilt's the problem that you've been, it's been heaped upon you through your upbringing, through your religion. Guilt has been heaped upon you and you need to get rid of that. One of the ways to get rid of that is by going and doing those things again and eventually once you'll stop feeling guilty. One of the ways to deal with that is to, you know, is to, is to, is to convince yourself that you weren't, you weren't to blame. One of the ways to deal with that is to, is to ignore those feelings of guilt until they go away. Listen, guilt causes psychological problems, but it's not the root of the issue because ultimately forgiveness Ultimately, guilt is a relational problem. We're guilty because we have disobeyed the Lord. We're guilty because we've done wrong. We're guilty because we're at fault. And the answer to the problem of guilt is not to ignore your conscience so badly that you eventually you make it lose all sensitivity. The answer to the problem of guilt is to, is to repent and to confess your sin and to be forgiven. Forgiveness is the, is the easiest and the best 
and in some ways the most costly answer to, to the problem of guilt because it cost Jesus his life. So the answer to the problem of guilt is not ignoring sin or trying to pretend that there isn't such a thing as sin or trying to uh, you know, escape it. The answer is to be forgiven, to be released, to be pardoned. It's when God revokes punishment. He removes our transgressions from us. It's not us who overcome our guilt. It's him who overcomes our guilt. Now, it's not that God literally forgets your sin, right? In a way that he just, you say, oh Lord, when I did that, he says, oh, I don't remember. Well, it's not that, right? It's not that God has memory, literally memory loss. It means that he, it's no longer a barrier between us and him. He no longer counts it against us. It's no longer on the books. It's no longer a stain or a power. It's no longer a shame. The cross is God's act of forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. As he died for the sins of the whole world, that includes you, and we can receive that forgiveness. He's already reached out in Jesus. Praise the Lord. That's something to praise God for. Amen. Now, verses 13 to 18 compassion for our frailty forgiveness for our sins compassion for our frailty as a father shows compassion to his children so the lord shows compassion to those who fear him he knows our frame he remembers that we are dust as for man his days are like grass he flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it's gone and its place knows it no more but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children, to those who keep his covenant, remember to do his commandments. Now, the first verse of this section, verse 13, is, is similar, of course, connected to verses 11, 12. It's another comparison, right? So in verse uh, 11, as high as the heavens are above the earth, right? So great is his loving kindness to those who fear him. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Verse 13, as, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And the compassion is expressed first of all then in the forgiveness he's just been talking about. That's an act of God's compassion. But it's even more than healing it a forgiveness goes back to the healing of course that we saw in verse four a father's compassion for his children is what the lord has for you listen that's important a father's compassion for his children is what the lord has for those who fear him now that's a, a kind of odd statement how is it that he can talk about God's compassion to those who are afraid of him, all in one sentence, right? How can he be compassionate, considered compassionate when you're afraid of, when you, when you fear him? And that's the remarkable thing. God is always a God of holiness and love, of, of justice and mercy, God of goodness and righteousness. These things are not incompatible in the Lord. And you can find his compassion even when you fear him. And it's in fact necessary, as we know, to fear the Lord. Not to be dead scared of God. 
in a way that you can never talk to him, but to stand in awe of his holiness, to reverence and fear him in that way. God has compassion on our frailty, our mortality. Our frailty and our mortality, right? He knows our frame. He remembers we are dust, verse 14, right? That reminds us, doesn't it? When it says he remembers that we, have, we are dust, just think for a moment, where in the Bible might I have heard something like that before? He remembers that we are dust. Does this take you back to Genesis chapter 2, right? Verse 7, the Lord God formed man from the of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature living soul listen that's the lord remembers that we're just a bit of mud you know a bit of a bit of dust that's been breathed into and we have we're just like grass and he, you know he flourishes like the flower of the field the wind passes over, it's gone. He place knows it no more. It, it just means that we are just physically so frail, so insubstantial. We have a short lifespan relative to the, to the earth, you know, and to God, of course, who's eternal. We, we come and we go. It says the wind passes over, it's gone. The it's place knows it no more. When most people in the world you know, it won't be that long after they die that they are totally forgotten. Listen, that's the truth. Most people in the world, and it's probably going to be the case for many of us, right? Uh, you know, one generation after you're gone, two maybe, no one will remember you. No one, you know, there'll be no record. That's just our life. And, 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 we want to be remembered. We want to have a legacy, and the, but that's our life. But listen, the Lord has compassion on us because he knows that we're physically frail and that we're mortal. We're subject to death. We're subject to dis decay. We're subject to these short lifespans, and we're vulnerable. The Lord has compassion. And in the midst of all that, we remember his eternal faithfulness. We are temporal on this earth. He is eternal. Verse 17, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. No one might remember you in a generation or two from after you die. But listen, the Lord does not forget us. Amen? The Lord does not forget. He remembers that we are dust. He remembers who we are. He sets his eternal faithfulness and loyalty and love upon us. That's all that we need. Even if, as is also in the Psalms, if my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Right? It doesn't matter if no one even remembers you now. <laughs> doesn't matter if no one even remembers your name, if no one knows you. It doesn't, in the end, that's, that's not easy. But listen, the Lord takes you up. The Lord remembers you. The Lord knows you. Praise the Lord. And his steadfast love is on those who fear him and his righteousness 
for generations to those who keep his covenant and what remember to do his commandments praise the lord well spiritual forgetfulness leads to disobedience spiritual amnesia right back in deuteronomy 8 he said verse in verse 11 take care well, he says this in verse 10, you shall, when you go into the promised land, he says, you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he's given, he's, he's given you. That's of course Psalm 103, bless the Lord. Verse 11, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commands and his rules and his statutes, which are commanding you today. So I think David is not only reading Exodus, he's reading Deuteronomy. He's reading about blessing the Lord and not forgetting the Lord by forgetting by by by, uh, by disobedience. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go and therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. How do you know when they when you've made a disciple? How do you know when you've actually made a disciple in the nations? Number one. Uh, you've you've baptized them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Number two, uh, you've taught them what Jesus said. And number three, they're keeping what Jesus said because it's teach them to keep or to observe everything that I've commanded you. And so if you've baptized them in the triune name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and they're keeping the commands of Jesus, they've made a disciple. You can move on at that point. Now, the last three verses or four verses of the psalm, call the whole of creation to worship. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you angels, his, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his host, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is calling to creation to worship for what God has done, even just for that one man, David. What, even what God has done for that one person is worthy of the praise of all, of all of creation. Verse 19, lift your eyes upwards. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. You know, Thanksgiving celebrates, I, mean, I don't mean the holiday of Thanksgiving, I mean our Thanksgiving to Jesus celebrates what the Lord has done for us. Worship gets our eyes off ourselves and onto him gets our eyes off ourselves and onto him uh, you know if you're self-obsessed worship's the best way to get out of it right worship and then giving and serving others these things you've got to get out of yourself it you see the lord is not just your personal deity not your personal servant he's not a mechanical uh, prayer answering machine you can put in you know put in put some a quarter in the slot and pull out an answer to prayer he is on the throne in the heavens and his kingdom is over all not just your God, he's God of all. His kingdom rules over all. And here he calls creation to worship the God who has healed me, who has forgiven me. Notice, by the way, the emphasis on the obedience of creation. It talks about the angels here, right? In, verse, in, in, in this psalm, bless the Lord, you his angels, uh, who, who, who do his word, who perform his word, and who are obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, you his host. That's another word for the angels. You serve him, doing his will. 
This is the emphasis on creation as obedient, the obedience of creation. Bless the Lord, you know, all your works in all places of his dominion, his power. This is emphasizing the authority of God. This last section of the psalm emphasizes God's authority. And this is the Lord. It's the Lord who the angels obey. It's the, all, the Lord who has dominion over the heavens and the earth. The Lord who is in charge of everything. This is the very same one who has healed my diseases and forgiven my sin and who calls us to bless him, to bless the Lord. This passage, this psalm really is very simple. It's, it's got a very simple and straightforward message. Bless the Lord, O my soul, right? Don't forget his benefits. It tells you, it just goes on and out all the good things that God has done. Look, he's forgiven, he's healed, his compassion, his justice. And don't forget it, but rather praise God for it. That's the message of Psalm 103. Let's pray. Oh, dear, dear Lord, <laughs> we want to choose today to praise you. We want to choose today, Lord, to worship you, to, to stir up our soul, to speak to our own soul and tell it to praise the Lord, to bless the Lord with everything in our inmost being, to worship you. You are worthy of all honor and praise. You have done so much. You've healed our diseases. You've forgiven our sin. You've crowned us with loving kindness and mercy. You renewed our youth like the eagles. Lord, you have, you have enacted justice for the oppressed and righteousness. You, Lord, have, considered, have treated us with such compassion in our fleeting and frail mortal life. You've given us eternity that comes from you. You, the God of all creation, the one who rules the nations, the one who is over all the angels, the heavens and the earth, has condescended, Lord, to, to come to us in Jesus, your Son, and through your Holy Spirit, Lord, to visit us and to bless us. And we must not forget your benefits, Lord. We must not forget your benefits, but continue to bless you. It's only right and just that we do so. We want to bless the Lord and call all the creation to join us in praising God for God's authority and power in all of creation and for God's personal love and compassion and mercy and healing and forgiveness for us. In Jesus' name.
Carlos Sam with us. We have one more song. Thank you.
we bless your name. We thank you so much for all that you do. I pray, God, as we go from here, that um, we would be reminded that it is a choice to praise you and worship you. So I pray that our souls would do just that. Thank you so much for your word, your name. Amen. Have a great week, everyone. Yeah.